What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Elevate Experience podcast. We have our, our host, Angie Manson, in the house. Ange, how are we doing? We're doing good today. We're doing good. And we also have a very special guest, an in-house guest. Keon, help me with the last name. Kajanori. Kajanori. Yeah. Keon Kajanori. Close friend, staff member. Yes. Man of recovery, man of music, man of fitness. That's a pretty sick intro. That's good. I like it. You like it? That's going to yeah, work? Man of Fitness. That's new. I like yeah, that. that's a new addition <laughs> to the the title or the description of the Keon. The repertoire. Yeah, try it on. How's it fit? I, I like it. It all fits right. good. It feels good. And uh, we're all here to uh, kind of discuss Keon's story, Keon's sobriety story, where Keon's at now, how he got there, what it looks like, the uniqueness of his story. We're super glad you came out to the studio today, man. And, uh, Ange, is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, so I don't know all of our uh, clients and staff's stories. Obviously, I'm not strolling through everybody's bios and finding out what's happening in their lives. But Too busy. Too busy. <laughs> and, and it's not my business always. <laughs> so, But with Keon, uh, and we'll get into this a lot later, but I discovered his story uh, partly due to my son working up in detox and you guys having conversations yeah. and him enlightening me to that, which I found was really really super cool story you have and uh you know originally we were supposed to do this documentary uh on somebody new coming in to rehab and follow their journey but lo and behold addicts slash alcoholics are a little paranoid and they don't want to be followed (laughs) and so we this this guy uh um, jackson was doing it for his senior thesis uh and and ucsc and so we he needed to pivot rather quickly and come up with something uh since that wasn't working and he stumbled upon keon and your story and ended up doing the whole documentary on you i got to see the little sneak peek of it and went oh my gosh we need to have this guy on our on our uh podcast as well because it's a really cool story, yeah. and we're really glad to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Dude, there we go. Can you bring your mic up just a little bit? There we go, there we go, there we go. It was lower than normal. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> okay, that's okay. Yeah, we'll cut all that out. Um, okay, good. So, Mr. Keon, dude, where do we want to start with the story? The floor is yours. You can say as much or as little as you want. Where? Uh, tell us about the story, dude. I'm here to listen. All right. I might ask a few questions. Ange might ask a few questions. Well, but uh, let's let's do it, dude. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, I think, I think for me it started like I, it's not like a normal like you know, I didn't have like a normal drug addict. Like I I grew up super well my whole life. You know I didn't I didn't really have I had the perfect lifestyle. You know I grew up from two. My parents are both Persian Iranian. They both did really well. You know, they gave me everything I needed. I had, I had tutors. I had, you know, I was in private schools. I'd, I You're was, local, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in um, Oakland, California. There we go. You know, in the hills. So, yeah. Um, I mean, they just gave me everything, you know, and they kind of... I lived a little bit of a sheltered life, you know, when I was younger in, like, high school. Um, like, I smoked weed, but, like, pills, drugs, like, harder drugs weren't really prevalent. You know, maybe some, like, cocaine here and there. But I just... Um, the way I think my drug use came to like 
be me you know it like became my identity at one point is because i started making music or and the way it all started is that i you know i was in school again come from a really good background you know my cousins family members brothers everybody they're all you know graduated like georgetown good colleges you know yeah. and i was like a pretty like lazy kid you know it's not that i didn't compared I, to them or yeah compared to them and yeah. i just think in general like if if i wasn't um how do i say this if i if I didn't really enjoy it or I didn't think it was cool, I was really heavily influenced. You know, again, yeah. I was also really overweight as a kid, you know, so I was super insecure about myself, you know, yeah. so I always felt like I was trying to like fit in with people and try to do what was cool and what was normal, you know. So I think, I don't know, not being in school as dumb as it sounds, you know, not really caring in school and like wanting to party and stuff, like that was cool, you know, mm -hmm. so that's what I tried to do while fitting in. But like that was your way of kind of fitting in. Yeah, that was my way sure. of fitting in. But for me, the way the music started was I, in high school and college, or basically in all my educations, like I said, I didn't apply myself. But I always, you know, I started, my parents had a huge grand piano in the house. So I, you know, they forced me to play piano and I didn't think it was cool. You know, I was like, this is lame. You know, yeah, yeah. people don't think this is cool. The, like, your friends in high school didn't think it, that was super cool. No, they did not. Playing think classical my, piano. No, yeah, they didn't think cool. it was cool. You know, but, but I, was, Damn. I was good at it. You know, like I, I had like a brain for that. And I and, and it, it, it's my understanding if you can play piano, you could play like any instrument because that's the so. most complex one yeah. and translates and the best. And a lot of the music, you know, the notes, it, it exactly it translates, you know. Mm -hmm. So then with the piano, I was like, well, this is not good. You know, this is not cool. <laughs> and um. I, I was really into Green Day and rock music, super yes. weird. So I was like, well, I want to play guitar. I want to be a rocker. So my parents were like, all right, cool. You can play guitar. We get you a guitar. And then I'm doing the guitar, and I just don't really get into it because my parents are like, you need to practice 45 minutes a day and this. And throughout the whole thing, I was always doing choir because I like to sing. But that was definitely not cool. <laughs> what, choir? <laughs> yeah. Choir dude, wasn't. you were just checking all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, but I was doing it not to tell people. You know, I was yeah. like, well, I'm just going to do it to make my parents happy. Yeah. So... You know, I went to like a private middle school, so you know they we had singing like music every day. You know, yeah. so I would just sing, and you know I had a pretty good voice. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, it was something that actually brought me happiness, but I didn't want to tell nobody that. Yeah. It felt like, wrong. <laughs> it felt wrong. Yeah, it damn. felt so good, but so wrong yeah. at the same time. <laughs> it just wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. That was it. <laughs> um, and then again, living in you know Bay Area, Oakland, like hip hop was just super prevalent. You know, like all the you know. Mr. Fab's Burner, HBK Gang, everything. Like, I was listening to all that stuff, yeah. you know? And, like, I loved it. You know, I really liked it. I thought it was super cool. I liked what they were doing. I liked watching the the life they had on social media. I liked seeing the music video. I liked seeing the girls, the partying. You know, yeah. I liked that. So I think, you know, when I got a little older, and I think it actually started when my friends and I, you know, like 16, just like, you know, I guess normal kids do. Like, we started smoking weed. So, all right, cool weed, rap music, it goes together. And then I started... You know, we started playing beats when we were just, you know, bored smoking and just like freestyling. And then my friends were like, dude, like, you're actually pretty good at it. You know, I'd do it by myself at home. You know, I'd play a beat and I'd like rap to it and I, I had fun. And then once people kind of told me like, dude, like that became my identity, you know, because I was that fat kid, you know, that no one really liked, you know, but they were like, oh, well, he has something, you know, yeah. so mm -hmm. then it, it turned me on to it. You know, I was like, well, this is cool. You know, people mm -hmm. actually are like acknowledging me for me you know acknowledging me for something you know i fought my whole life to get that you know from my parents and everything like again being overweight i think it really like hurt scarred me as a kid you know yep. it was just tough because you know my parents would see really overweight people and they'd be like wow look at that person they're disgusting like while i'm sitting right there and i'm like well what does that make me what a weird yeah. mixed message yeah, it was, yeah. It was, you know and, and my parents didn't do it because they hate me you know again i yeah. think they're 
not, they're foreign, you know, they're not from, they're from Iran, you know, so it's different out there. Mm. So again, I took it all with a grain of salt, you know, That's like good. I tell my mom about it now and she gets really, I feel bad about it. Oh. I'm, like, I'm sorry, mom. I don't, you're fine now. Um, <laughs> you're fine. You're now. fine. You know, it's like, back it's okay. then, back not then. okay. Yeah. You yeah. scarred me, man. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was tough. So I, again, it started with the, the music and then I think that, you know, I just, I kept doing it and pursuing it. Cause I was like, you know, like I was saying earlier, like I, I don't want a job. I can't see myself doing that. I don't do well in school. You know, like if I go get a C or a D, like I'm failing all my tests, you know, yeah. and it's not cause I'm a stupid person. You know, again, that's an insecurity I deal with now. You know, I kind of make a joke about it and say, well, I'm stupid. I'm not very smart, but that's just, you know, that's just me thinking that cause I don't have that piece of paper. Cause that's again, how I felt my whole life. You know, everyone around me has that. I didn't. Well, right, because uh, everybody you knew was going to college. Exactly. They're getting good grades, probably exactly. honors. And so, you know, exactly. when you're you're putting yourself up against then, it makes mm-hmm. you feel less. Yeah, it made me feel less. But just to fast forward, then, you know, that's how the music started. That's how, you know, I kind of got into it because I was like, wow, this is something I, I like to do, you know. And again, like the way it, I think the way it all took off for me is mm-hmm. I was I, I was 17. I was senior. I was senior in high school and. You know, I had my mic, I had my setup, I'd go to the studio, I'd make songs. And again, at that point, I was just smoking weed. I didn't even drink alcohol. I didn't like alcohol. No. It was never a thing for me. Even, you know, when I started using heavily, I still didn't like, ad- I don't, you know, I still didn't like Adicol. I didn't like alcohol. <laughs> um, but I used it, you know, when I was in withdrawal so bad that I needed something, you know. But yeah, I was just smoking a lot of weed. I was smoking weed every day, probably all day before school, after school. You know, it was just, I was like, yeah, this is cool. You know, rappers smoke weed. Um, but well, and it gets to a point where you just need it to feel normal. Yeah. You're, you're so reliant on yeah. it. It just stabilizes you. Yeah. I think with weed, too, it's like a mental thing. And I was like, I like to. Um, but yeah, so I made a song for Draymond Green, you know, the Warriors. Really? I love that. So I'm yeah. the biggest Warriors fan. So. <laughs> I knew you were chiming in. I was like, there's no way Angie can't chime in right here. <laughs> biggest Warrior fan. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Warriors my whole life. You know, yeah. my brother had season tickets. Um, I'd go to a lot of the games. My my friend, my best friend in high school, his dad had season tickets, so he would bring me to the games, and I, I loved it. Yeah. You know, I go and, the they games. Winning. and they winning. were winning. And they were winning in 2017. Like something years. They yes. were winning. Yes. And it was finally cool to see them. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But yeah, and then Draymond Green was my favorite player, so I like got this beat, and you know, like for me with the music, it's like I wasn't the best like lyricist, but I was, you know, since I sang. I was able to kind of like find a beat, you know, and then make like a catchy melody to the beat, you know, mm-hmm. that people like to listen to. Okay. So I found the beat and I made the song about Draymond Green. And then, you know, I released it and it got, you know, some hundreds of thousands of plays on SoundCloud. His mom tweeted about it. Nice. And then, yeah, and then he ended up tweeting about it. And then that's just how it kind of all blew up. And then I was like, wait, like maybe I can take this, you know, maybe I can do something with this. So at that point, you know, and this is where kind of the drugs came in. At that point, I, I had this little bit of recognition, you know, I had about, you know, 30, you know, I think it was 40, 50,000 followers on Instagram. You know, I thought I was the shit, you know, I was like, well, I got 50,000 followers, dude. I'm I'm cool. At what? 19, 18. Yeah. Like 18, you know, I had like 50,000 followers. So then I go again, my parents are pushing. They're like, okay, well, if you want to do the music, do the music, but we want you to go to school. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to go to University of Arizona. It's the only place I could get in. <laughs> so, it's the only place that accepted me. It's the only place that accepted me. And so, they happen to party a lot. So yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know what? It's, it's a win-win. Yeah. We'll go here. It's fun. So I go to U of A. And I think a downfall for me that happened with the whole drugs is that I didn't live in the dorms my freshman year. Mm. So I knew someone that I'd went to high school with who was already a sophomore at U of A when I was going to be a freshman. 
So he was like, hey, just move in the house with us. And I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. Like, and he told me, he's like, yo, like we live in the house. We party. We can smoke weed in our house. If you're in the dorm, like you won't be able to smoke in the dorm. I was like, all right, bet. Like, that's deal. What I'm do. Yeah, when deal. can I move in? Yeah. Yeah. So I go move into the house and then, you know, start smoking weed even more and more and more every day, every day. Just, you know, I started smoking a lot of wax, you know, the dabs. Mm-hmm. And again, like this is. I'm thinking in my head the whole time. I'm like, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing music. You know, it's like I'm, I'm a rapper. I got this many followers, and I kind of use that to my. Again, I was also super overweight, so I was like, well, if I'm gonna want to get in the parties, I gotta show them my Instagram. You know, so they'll let me in. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like that was your ticket. That to was being my cool. finesse. Yeah, 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 you know, again, like that was my ticket. And I, funny thing about that. So I'll talk about it later, like why I started working at Elevate and why that's special to me. But yeah, that was my like ticket in. Yeah, you know, so I'm there smoking weed all the time like trying to go to parties still rapping and then i'm making more music on the side and i start um i think one day i was just uh i was living in my i was at an apartment party i was at an apartment party and again smoking weed everyone was drinking around me i wasn't really about the alcohol again it's just i just wanted to be high 24 7 and there was this guy who was a senior at U of A, you know, like a really popular guy. He was in a fraternity and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. Look Mm. at all the girls he has around him. Like, this is awesome. This is life. And he was like, yo, like someone told me that you have this many followers on Instagram. Like, you know, my dad worked for Motown Records. Uh, um, Let's let's do something, you know, like come over one day. And I was like, yes, this is my in. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's girls here and like (laughs) I'm having fun. And, you know, I went and I talked to him and that's where I got introduced to Xanax. Mm. So then that was like the one, you know, the downfall. So he's like, by him. Yeah. By him, you know, and myself, I knew everyone at U of A did it. And at that time, like, again, before that, like I tried cocaine, you know, I've done Molly here and there just cause mm-hmm. my friends were like, Oh, let's do it. You know? And, but then I was like, all right, cool. That's, that was the first drug for me that was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, mm-hmm. like I like this, you know, the way and, it felt. Yeah. The way yeah. it felt. And just, just to go on the Xanax really quick away from the music. It's, it's silly the way I got so super addicted to it is like I took it for like a month straight, you know, every day. And then one day I was like, dude, I don't I don't I didn't have any and I didn't really want to go out and get any more. And like I went through sick, gnarly withdrawals because I've been taking so many. And like I know this sounds stupid. Like I tell everybody and I say it's like this sounds stupid, but it's exactly what happened. Like I didn't know about withdrawals. You know, mm. I was an 18 year old kid having, you know, I thought I was just sick like a dog. And like you had the flu or something. Yeah, like, you know, my <laughs> hands were shaking and. You know, sweat was running down my face. I couldn't sleep. And someone was like, dude, like, you've been taking this much Xanax for this long. Like, you're going through drug withdrawals. And I'm like, well, wh- how do you fix yeah, it? I was, like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, how do I fix this? They're like, well, you need to take more Xanax. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then that's that's where it all went downhill for me. You know, I just got super addicted to it. You know, I was taking, like, I don't know, anywhere from, like, five to ten two milligram Xanax bars a day. Yeah. Were you just scoring off off the street or the campus, or were you like no, dock shopping at that yeah, point? Yeah, so I I mean Arizona was super jaded. Like, I think it's funny to say like everybody was on Xanax at Arizona. Like you'd go to the the U of A Health Hospital, and you'll tell them like, hey, like I have anxiety, test taking anxiety, and they would give you a prescription of Xanax. Wow, from the school. Wow, you know, so everyone was getting it, but by the time we didn't get it out, you know, like Arizona, Tucson, close to Mexico. Yep, you know, mm-hmm. so we're, we're getting Xanax bars from there. And I think, again, so then that's what, you know, that's how the whole Xanax started. That's when my, like, drug phase started. You know, I didn't go to class. You know, I made music more. And I still was doing well in music. You know, my song was getting more plays. And I was, you know, around doing, that guy did help me. You know, he had me perform at his fraternity. So my Instagram following kind of shot up from, like, 50,000 to, a, 
you know, like I think like 70, 80,000. Wow. And that's when I was like, all right, you know, like I'm not even going to go to school. You know, I'm just going to tell my parents whatever. I'm going to, I'm just not going to go to school. I'm just going to do what I can. You know, I'm just going to do the music because this is working for me. Um, and then that's when I started sipping the cough syrup because I was like, all right, well. And then I, I took Norco's Percocet here and there. Um, you know, I started sipping cough syrup because I was like, um, well, rapper sip lean. And again, I'd go to University of Arizona. I'd go with my thing. I'd have my little mask on. I'd be like, look, I can't can't sleep, have a bad cough. I wake up coughing, and they'd give me a little four-ounce yeah. bottle of codeine, pro- codeine promethazine. I'd go to the student store right next to it, um, get my Sprite, you know, and started off with the Jolly Ranchers, but then I figured out that, that was stupid. You know, no one does that. <laughs> you know, and then I, I was, I, you know, I was sipping all the time, and I would get it from the school. And it got so bad to a wow. point just getting it from the school where I told everybody about it, you know, because they'd have me perform at the shows. So they'd be like, what does he want? You know, and they usually get you like a rider. You know, they'll bring you champagne or they'll bring you some alcohol. I'd be like, well, I want lean. Like, bring me the drink. <laughs> so, you know, these kids would all go in there and they'd be like, all right, well, I have a cough. I can't sleep. And all these kids would be in there, like 10, 12 of them, like with a mask, same things, asking for the same medication. Wow. And it got to a point where they, they made a sign that was like, we do not offer codeine with promethazine anymore. You know, and it was it so was you just, ruined it for everybody. Yeah, I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was a good thing. <laughs> it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's so that's how kind of the drugs got introduced to me, you know, and again, uh, well, okay, I'll talk about this a little later. But yeah, that's how they got that's how they got introduced to me. You know, like Percocet, Xanax, Lean, like it's hip hop. You know, I liked how it felt. I did it. Um, yeah. And then gave you more material to rap about. Material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna rap about drugs. You know, that yep. lifestyle that people want to see. So then, again, fast forward. The way, um, I made that song. I had a good amount of Instagram followers. You know, I was doing well. So then he got me in touch with his dad, who knew some talent agents and people at record labels. And they're like, all right, well, you know, let's try it out. You know, we'll give this kid a chance. So then I, you know, got a first record deal. And then I dropped out of college. I was like, screw this. You know, I don't need this anymore. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, your parents still don't know? No, no. They knew about that. They're okay. like, you know, well, if that's what you want to do, Keon, we're not going to support you. Hmm. You know, I was like, okay. So they, you know, they gave me everything. You know, I had an apartment, money, clothes, whatever I wanted. You know, like they'd get it for me, take me out yeah, for food, yeah. you know, and like all of that was just given to me. And I think that, you know, I started getting introduced to like um, Burner from the Bay Area. You know, I recorded at the same studio as him. We had the same engineer. Uh, he was, you know, he was like, wow, this kid is good. You know, Mr. Fab came and he did a song with me. He's like, yo, this kid is good. You know, everyone, I, I was talented, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was good at the music, but. Once I got that record deal, I think was the turning point for my downfall, you yeah. know, because everyone told me like, you know, I had managers and stuff. And the first one told me is, you know, name Nigel and fly. Um, he was like, dude, like once you get that record deal, that's your like ticket to the lottery. You know, that's that's where the hard work begins, you know, because, mm. again, like the way a record deal works is like it's a bank loan. They give you money. You you work on it. You know, you use that money for promotion, videos, whatever it is, you know, and then you make the money back and whatever you make, you keep and then you pay them back. For me, that's when the hard work stopped. Mm. I was like, all right, cool. I have this money in my bank account. You look like got, you already made it. Yeah, like, I was like, I'm I done. Made I made it. it. Yeah, I, you know, mm. that was it. And that's where I got kind of, you know, I got complacent. I was like, all right, cool. You yeah. know, like, I'm good. And then I think the main reason too, even when I got to Elevate the first time, Dallas, I think I told you this as my counselor. You know, I was like, well, what the, f-? you know, like, I'm, I'm not a drug addict. Like, I don't, I don't do heroin. I don't smoke meth. I'm not homeless. I'm not, bro, I have a house. I have money. Look at my watch. Look at my clothes. Like, 
and all that you know that that was the mindset i was in i was like i'm not a drug addict you right. know it's what i'm doing my career this path i'm i get to do drugs you know this is this is part of it you know i'm allowed to do drugs you know i've i've made that for myself you know and it was just a whole fake thing to tell myself to be able to use drugs you know and i was you know drinking like I don't know, eight ounces of cough syrup like every two days, mm. you know, mixing it with Xanax, Percocet. And at that point, I wasn't getting it from the streets. You know, I had a doctor, a dirty doctor, you know, who would just write me whatever I wanted. You know, mm. I'd just go, I'd get, I'd get freaking, I don't know, 90 Xanax bars a month, two milligrams Xanax bars, um, 120 Norcos, 60 Roxycodone pills, and a whole pint of cough syrup. Yeah, you know, and I, I'd have to go to different pharmacies because I'd go to a pharmacy and I'd read them this, and the lady would be like, "Dude, who me? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. What? Like, yeah, which doctor yeah. did this? You know, they're like, Yikes. what doctor did this? And, I, and I'd be like, well, you know what? If she's like, I'll give you some of it. I'm like, all right, cool. Then I'm just gonna go down the street. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I figured out. You know, I, I was like, all right, cool. Well, word <laughs> tongue twister, but I was like, all right, I had it on a schedule. I was like, look, I have my, I have my scripts. I have this many scripts and I know that I can fill them within this many days so that the other pharmacies don't flag that I'm getting this many drugs. Mm. I have seven days to get as many drugs as I can in the whole month. You know, and it was like a whole operation. It was a whole operation. And you, you got know? three weeks to take them all. Yeah. And, yeah. I, yeah. and I'd take them probably in one week, you know, like it, it got really bad, but I never really suffered any, from any withdrawals until I really got to elevate the first time. But what brought me there the first time Again, fast, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. That's a good fast story yeah. right there. Yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, why would you come? If you had it all figured out and it yeah. wasn't a problem, what led yeah. you here? <laughs> so I got in some legal trouble. Yep. And uh, basically it just, you know, my man, manager label, they were kind of like, dude, you're too much. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're a loose cannon, dude. Like, you need to go figure it out. You know, I think that if I didn't get in the trouble, they wouldn't have. Intervened. Intervened, you yeah. know, but they're like, all right, well, he's in trouble and. You know, we, we invested money in him, right. so we might as well get yeah. him right. So between them, they talked to my parents. They get me to come to Elevate the first time. Um, what kind of legal trouble? I just, you know, I was just around uh, just a little, you know, I don't. It's fine. That was a, no, that was just a bad part of my life, you know, but I, again, like I'd walk out of the studio and I'd have all my jewelry on, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm the shit, dude. Yep. Like no one can touch me. So one day I'm coming out the studio, some guy, you know, he knows I'm at the studio, he robs me, he pistol whips me in the face, takes my watch, my chain. And I felt like, you know, I felt like, dude, this is, I mean, I don't know how to say it nicely, but I felt very like, felt like a bitch. I was like, this is not cool. You know, I got, I got disrespected, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't know no hard people. I wasn't a hard person. Again, I come from the hills. Yep. So what I do, my manager knew somebody, you know, this guy who he buy drugs from in South Los Angeles, South, South Central, you mm -hmm. know, he was a blood on Adam street. And I was like, look, dude, like, look at me. Like, we have fun. I got parties. I got girls, but I need some people around me. You know, I can't, like, this happened to me. And he's like, oh, trust me. You you have us around you, dude. Like, you're good. Like, you know, n nothing's going to happen. Nothing, you know, so. Again, you basically I, got some bodyguards. Yeah, I got some, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was like, all right, cool. You know, and again, like, I, the, the way the legal trouble came in, I'm not going to go super, like, in-depth with what happened, but. You know, I just, I was around those people, you know. You were around, around bad people. I was around bad yeah. people, you know, gang Doing members. Doing bad things. Yeah, that <laughs> didn't care, you know. And again, I didn't have to do any of the bad things, mm -hmm. but I was attracted to it because I was like, oh, that's another thing to rap about. <laughs> yeah, know? or like, another thing that makes you cool. Yeah, exactly. And people like you. Yeah, and at that point, I was I was losing the weight really quick. Um, oh, yeah, My yeah. label, the people, they, again, talked to my parents, and they were just like, look, like, we'll pay for some of the surgery, you pay for some of the surgery, and he'll look better. 
you know, if he looks better, he'll sell more records, you know, so I'm losing weight. I'm getting this little, this high horse, you know, the label, you know, they bought me Instagram followers. They bought me my check mark. You know, I thought I was the shit, you know, so I have yep. all these people like putting stuff into my head, you know, and just blowing it bigger. Like I, I have a big head now, <laughs> but it's big in a good way now, Yeah, you know, <laughs> but that was just bad. You know, they were all, everyone was just negative influence in my ear. Cause what did they care about? What was in their pocket? And yeah. that's all I cared about too, at that point. I think a good thing to note down too is you were 400 pounds. Yeah. So he was big, big. Yeah. He was a big guy. So what surgery did you get? Like, yeah, I got a I got a gastric bypass surgery. Gotcha. Okay. So like they cut out 80% of your stomach and they pull it out so that you basically can't eat food. For sure. You know, and it took me a long time to lose that weight, and I was still using drugs the whole time. But yeah, I was big. You know, huge. Like yeah. people didn't like to look at me. You know, of and they're course. like, damn, look at that guy now. Yeah. <laughs> And so then you show up to Elevate, right? And how much did you weigh yeah. when you showed up to Elevate? I think when I sh- – okay, yeah. So the legal trouble that happened, I did have a drug addiction. I didn't think I did. So they got me to Elevate, went, and, you know, a lady comes in my house. I'm visiting my parents, and they tell me, I guess – I don't remember <laughs> this as much. but it's I my favorite part I, of the story. I, I believe Dallas, you know, because yeah. he was there firsthand. <laughs> I guess I think I'm so high that I think that I'm getting taken to a meet and greet and a studio. <laughs> Amazing. A celebrity meet and celebrity greet. Celebrity meet and greet. So I get I get taken to elevate and I'm looking around. I'm like, what the f-? You like, met me, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Dallas and then I I think I kinda came not came to, but I was I figured out that I wasn't in a meet and greet. You know, I'm like <laughs> You didn't think Dallas was super famous? No, well, I, it wasn't that. I mean it, I was just like, Well, I, this is not a meet and greet. But that's I mean it that just shows like what where how, you were at. Where I was at. Yeah. You know, I needed to be lied to like that. Yeah. You know, it, it was getting horrible, you know, and I had no idea about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I You were get probably, there. what, 150 pounds? No, 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 no. I was probably, like, 180 pounds. Okay. 180 yeah. pounds. Because now I weigh. It's the best shape I've been in. I'm, like, 165. Gotcha. So, I was probably, like, 30 pounds heavier. But not looking healthy. No, not, not like healthy. a healthy 180. No, no, <laughs> not a healthy 180 at all. So, I, I get there. I'm, like, yo, I see Dallas working out because – you know, Jeff Roberts, he's bringing me through. And I don't know why. Everyone says he shouldn't have brought this. I, I was really faded on Xanax. Yeah, you know, he I, was. Yeah, he was very high. I was really barred out. You know, I don't think I I don't think I was taking perks and lean at the same time. I, I was super quick. To, I know this off tack, but my when people say, what's your DOC? Well, my DOC was opiates. You know, I like Percocet. Drug of choice for yeah. our listeners yeah. who don't know. Drug of choice. You know, that was I liked opiates. You know, I liked how they made me feel. Yep. I like that. But. Again, the first drug I took was Xanax, you know, and I took so much of it that if I didn't have it, I would not even be able to enjoy my opiates. You know, I'd be mm-hmm, sick like mm-hmm. a dog. So I had to take Xanax in order to enjoy my opiates, if that makes sense. Yep. So, again, I get here and I, I look at Dallas. I'm like, dude, I'm super faded. I'm like, yo, you're the just like he's a CrossFit trainer. So I'm like, all right, you know what? And I'm pissed off at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I He's realizing he's getting lied to. Yeah, I'm he re- realized I, he's not at the meeting. Yeah, I'm like, dude, this is some bullshit. I was like, where am I really? Because I'm like, dude, this dude made me get naked. Like, they don't do this in meet and greets. You know, like, this is not a meet and greet. So oh, I, I love that. Out, and I think I figure out that I'm in a program. You know, they're like, dude, you're in rehab. And I'm like, fuck, well, I don't want to be here. Get me out. Call the people who brought me here and tell them that I'm out. I'm leaving. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And I'm just faded at the point like that. Well, it is what it is. So I'm like pissed off yelling at everybody. You know, Mariah, Jesse. I'm like, fuck you guys. I don't want to be here. Give me my phone. I'm yeah. I'm this person and I don't deserve to be here. I don't need to be here whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, bring me to the gym. He's like, look, this is a CrossFit coach, you know. And I'm like, dude, like 
I show him my stomach. I'm like, because I have all this extra skin on my stomach still from all the weight I lost. It's a lot of weight. And yeah. I'm like, yo, if, if you can look, I used to be 400 pounds. Like, help me. I mean, you can tell the story better than yeah. I can. You know, I was faded, but I, I basically asked him. I was like, look, if you can get me fit, I can stay here. And he's like, dude, I'll get you fit. And then my whole program, I did yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tried. You tried it, I think, once or twice. Yeah. But it was funny that that was like what made you stay, like subconsciously. You're like, if you can get me fit. Yeah. He said, I used to weigh 400 pounds. And I'm looking at th- this guy like, what are you talking about? Like, you're so high that you used to be 400 pounds. Like, yeah, right. And he lifts up his shirt. And he's got all this extra skin. And he's like, touch it. Touch it. <laughs> and so for me, I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I touch his, like, loose skin, you know? Because you kind of wanted to check it out, too. You're like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. First time experience for Dow. And I was like, dude, I can get you fit. Like, I I will get you fit if yeah. you come. And it was also like, what am I going to say? No, I can't. And yeah. then you like leave, you know? <laughs> nice. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to get you fit. I promise. And then as Keon said, he spent 80 days stretching in yoga. Yeah. <laughs> More like sleeping. So yeah. <laughs> Acting like I was stretching. You know? Oh, God. Um, That's my favorite part of the whole story. Amazing. But yeah, my, you know, first time at Elevate, again, like I, when I came to, I, really funny story. I, there was an older lady. I think when I woke up and I was so barred out that I had no idea where I was. I mm-hmm. woke up in the cabin like, what? Where is this? Where Which is our I? detox facility. Yeah, you yep. know, our detox where I work now. He currently works is. there. That's the irony. <laughs> the, so I, I wake up and I'm like, dude, what? What? And then I go outside and there's this poor lady, super nice. She was like 70, 80 year old, you know, and she had dementia. And I promised or something, some kind of forgetful thing. And <laughs> um, this is. This happened. So I'm out not knowing where the hell I am. I woke up here in a Xanax. In the forest. In the forest. I'm like looking around. And I come out to only see this older woman. And she looks at me and she goes, where am I? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm looking at myself like, dude, where am I? I'm like, am I in the psych ward? What did I do? And the the overnight person's like, dude, you're in rehab. You were really fucked up. Like, you know, again. Okay, I swear no. Sorry, I mean, sorry. I, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll I address that later. It's I won't fine. do it anymore. That's my fault. Um, but yeah, he's like, you know, you messed up. You're faded. Like you're in rehab. You know, that's that's what happened. And then I'm thinking, like, dang, I'm, I'm all right. I was still pretty bored out, so I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go to sleep. I woke up in the morning, pissed. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, no, this is not happening. You know, I, you know, Cassidy was a family advisor at the time. I was saying all kinds of mean her stuff to her. I was like, look, like I don't want to be here. I don't need to be here. I don't do heroin. I don't do meth. I'm mm-hmm. not a drug addict, mm-hmm. you know? And then she's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I take Xanax, sip perks, you know, sip lean and pop perks. What, what's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> who's asking? Yeah, yeah. Who's asking? <laughs> Who wants to know? You did my UA, you know? So I, you know, I didn't want to be here. And I kind of got told my situation. They're like, well, you know, your music's not going to be there for you if you don't complete this. Your parents aren't going to be there for you, so you might as well get through it. So the whole, you know, first two weeks, I still wasn't having it. You know, I got down from detox, and I was in the book work, you know, sitting in the classroom, you know, phase one, and having to do the dictionary work and the book work. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And my counselor at the time was just so fed up with me and was like, look, like, if if you don't want to do it, you can just sit here and look out the window. (laughs) And I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. I did that for two weeks. I looked out the window, and then... I started to come around and I don't think I came around because I truly wanted to get sober again. The first time that put me here was, 
you know, manager label parents, yep. you know? So I was like, all right, cool. Against your will. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm doing it for them. Yep. You know, again, I, I still was in the mindset, like I don't have a drug problem, yep. even though I was using them heavily all day, every day. You know, I was like, I deserve to do it. You know, it's not a problem. Again, I'm not fucking, uh, sorry. I'm not homeless. You know, I'm not this, you know? I. Yeah. So, so when you were there, you basically came to the realization that like getting through this is now a step you have to take to get back to your old life. Exactly. Like you got to make your managers exactly. and your record label and your parents get off your back exactly. so you can continue to live this lifestyle. Is exactly. that kind of the realization you, like you had to play the game to yeah, get out? That was the, that was the mind blowing realization yeah, that yeah. I came to and you know, instead <laughs> of just being like, all right, in rehab, well, I get get to that late, you know, but I, I should probably change my life. You yeah. know, that's, yeah. you know, it's not going well or I wouldn't have ended up here. But I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll finish this. So then I started going as fast as I could. You know, at that time I got slowed down too. And they're like, all right, we're only allowing you to do education once a day. And that set me off. I was like, no, I'm leaving here is, you know, I don't want to be here. So for our listeners who don't know, we yeah. have a product, we have a copyrighted curriculum where it's it's product-based. So yeah. people want to spend their whole time in education getting through the curriculum because that's the way out. But mm -hmm. we have them do groups and experiential and team exactly. and all these other things. And, and people who just want to fly through the program get yeah. upset because they want to spend their whole day in the classroom yeah. getting through the program fast. Yeah, your progress is based on essentially the phases of the program. But you can only get through the phase of the program during the educational component. So the the simple realization is like the faster I do this book, the faster I leave. Exactly. Yep. Obviously, that mindset is not horrible. healthy it's or horrible. helpful. No. Because if the book was going to change life, we just send it to you at home. Yeah. And it, the world would be different. Yep. And that is. Side note. <laughs> yeah. 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 And again, that's the first time. So get all through it. You know, I want to talk about rush now. through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rush through the program, leave. And then I'm like kind of pink clouded, you know, and what that means is like, all right, sobriety is cool. But and then. Well, I'll, so how did you feel uh, at the end of like you're nearing finishing your 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 stay at Elevate, uh -huh. right? You kind of rushed through it, like yeah. you said. But was there takeaways? Was there realizations? Where where was your head at? Maybe like pre-graduation like a week out two weeks out of graduating the program and going back home i just and be truthful yeah i mean <laughs> honestly like I, my head was just like all right i just i went through this whole program um i understood you know i was like all right i probably do have a drug problem <laughs> you know like it it, it hmm. makes sense okay um, at least we got you there. Yeah, <laughs> admitting you have a problem. Yeah, that's you know, like, you know, first one of the step. first stages. I, I definitely had some realizations. You know, I was like, all right, you know what? I do have a drug problem. This is bad. You know, if I leave here, you know, I'll, I'm just going to smoke weed and drink alcohol here and there, you know, and I'll be in a better mindset, you know, because yep. I'm thinking about it. You know, I'd be, you know, when I was writing about times that I, RSs, you know, the responsibility, when, you know, like doing those, I was like, all right, this one time. Every time I'd be in the studio, you know, they'd book me nice studio time, $300 an hour. They're paying out of their pocket and I would just use it to get high. You know, I'd get so high I couldn't even record. You know, I didn't notice that until I kind of put it on paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that that's the whole beauty yeah. and, and bad part about that yeah. step is once you like have confronted all your bad doings, it's hard to deny there's a For problem sure. when you, you know? see the wreckage of what you were yeah. doing and the people you hurt and the situation. Exactly. So that was really good yeah. for me even i was in my stupid mindset still of like i'm gonna leave here and i'm gonna become <coughs> famous yep you know like i i did get stuff from that yeah. you know 
So I again, I did leave, and I did exactly what I thought I was going to do. Graduated. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, gra- you yeah, you I graduated. graduated. Yeah. I graduated, finished the program, um, and again, I did what I told myself I was going to do. You know, I didn't stuck to your plan. Yeah, I stuck to my plan, not Elevate's plan. Yep. Um, which I probably should have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I stuck to my plan. I left, started smoking weed right away, and then started drinking. And I think with the people like again like they tell you at elevate you know like if you have any mind altering substances you know it's like a switch that gets hit in your mind you know that you won't have that feeling and i was like oh that's not true you know there's no way you know what they've only been in this field for years you know like they don't know yeah yeah only 27 years <laughs> uh, yeah so only you know <laughs> i don't i know more <laughs> yeah i'm you know they've never I'm, met a rap god before yeah I'm they big, don't know you know, me I'm, I'm the big rapper like i know what's best for me all right so i <laughs> i leave Get drunk, boom, one beer, right away, switch, hits off in my head. No no lies, no nothing, I swear. Boom. All right, well, I'm not that drunk. I'm not that high, but I know what will get me high if I mix it with this beer. I'm going to buy pills right away. Yeah. It was like that. It yep. literally hit a switch in my head. You know, and then that's when it happened. Then I started taking pills again, and I justified my pill use. I was like, all right, cool. And I... Didn't start taking the Xanax again, actually. I, this was Percocet. You know, like I was saying earlier, you know, my drug of choice was opiates. So I was popping the Percocets. I was like, all right, well, I just went through all that drug program. I'm going to recreationally use snort and smoke Percocet. <laughs> like a true gentleman. <laughs> like a true gentleman. Yeah. You know, gentleman. Yeah, like, snorting is recreational. Yeah, well, that's you fine. Know, like, <laughs> I can smoke some Percs on some tinfoil here and there. You know, like that's what I thought. Yeah. You know, I was like, the, that's just the mind thinking of just how dumb I was back then you know like I'm well you're high you're not making good no, decisions exactly. to begin with not making good decisions so again like I start I'm like alright I'm gonna take one pill today and then I'm not gonna use tomorrow well it's like well I can use tomorrow because I won't go through withdrawals and then it just that whole mindset played on until I was just using them all heavily again yep you know and then it got I was taking the Xanax again cause I wasn't in Los Angeles I was visiting back home here and there, and I didn't have my doctor scripts. You know, they stopped writing them for me because when I was at Elevate, I did call and red flag myself. That's one thing that I did do. You know, wow. it wasn't my decision. Whose was it? I think it was yours. I think so. <laughs> <It> too. Was, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to say it. It was you know, Dallas's. You know, so I I called. They red flagged me, but I still got away from. It. I was like, you know what? Well, I started calling again. I was like, they say like you're a drug addict, and I was like, no, 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 that was. No, not anymore. <laughs> I'm good now. They had a gun to my head. They made me do it. <laughs> they were like, okay. And I had to doctor shop a lot for that. But anyway. You tried to undo your flag. I tried to undo my flag. And it's it not wor- a red flag. Hey, I was pretty, I was very, very manipulative and conniving. You know, I figured it out. I think the sadly. audience has picked up on that. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think so. You're right. Um, but yeah, you know, and then again, like m- more led to another. And again, like then I was getting cough syrup every week for my chronic pneumonia. In, in quotations, I had chronic pneumonia. <laughs> I get pneumonia chronically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had chronic pneumonia, uh, getting, you know, getting lean all the time, you know, getting it from Kaiser, my own doctor. I was getting Xanax and then I was buying the Percocets, you know, from somebody or I'd trade it for the lean because those are the one thing I couldn't get. You know, yeah. that was hard. I, you know, I was taking the Roxy's and I couldn't get those. So I, again, and then I was taking all three and it got a hundred times worse from when I first came at Elevate. Yep. hundred times worse. I was using like 10, 15 Xanax pills a day, snorting, smoking at least five to six Percocets, putting them in my soda while drinking two, three ounces of cough syrup. And again, I have the stomach surgery, right? And mm. I'm not 
eating any food because what's in my stomach cough syrup and soda you know i'm like taking up all the space yeah taking up all the space all the so i'm getting skinny you know i'm like at 155 pounds 150 pounds not healthy at all you know just like super frail you know like i was telling you know i lost all my muscle like i had nothing like i i was just frail like skin and bones yeah skin and bones i looked bad and so you know i'm just gonna talk what got me to elevate second second time is um well, also the first time I overdosed too. That's part of the legal trouble that got me there. You know, mm-hmm. so it was an overdose. Then I got in that trouble. I got sent here. But the, you know, second time, I was you know using drugs all heavily again. And I like to say uh, I I try to warn clients because it seems like the recourse is a thousand times harder sure. once you know better. Like sure. prior up to that point, you were just getting along. You didn't know better. Once yeah. you learn and you really get it, like when you did your responsibility step and yeah. saw the damage. When you go back out and decide to do the same things, I've seen people fall a thousand times faster and a thousand times harder. Yeah. And that sounds like exactly 100%. what happened to you. Well, you, you know? have to justify 10 times harder now yeah. Yeah. because you learn this truth of like, what I'm doing is not healthy or helpful or okay. And I actually and do have a problem. People. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so that I'm trying to get yeah. rid of knowing that I'm what I'm doing is not what I should be doing. You know, yep. so I'm like, well, how am I going to not, you know, care Remember about that. this? I'm going to use drugs <laughs> yep. even more. So then it got bad where I was just taking bottles of Pharmapram Xanax, you know, the ones that came from Mexico, like 120 of them in like a week. You know, that's bad. Yeah. You know, and I was mixing it again with Percocets and Lean at the same time. And I would drink alcohol, you know, and I started drinking, too. Yeah. Again, I always did it. Um, so, again, the big pivotal thing that changed, you know, what made me come back was, OK, again, I'm still I don't have a problem. But then I'm like, all right, you know, this is getting pretty bad. But, you know, my album's finally going to get released. So I'm like, okay. So you're I'm, waiting now, yeah, kind of? I'm waiting. So I'm visiting my parents back home, and I have a flight to Los Angeles the next day. And I get all faded that night, and I miss my flight. And then Oof. my you know, my label calls me, and they're like, all right, dude, you know what? We're done with you. You know, you've messed up. You know, you're dropped. You're done. And that's when. Right it, before the release, before right it even before, went out. Oh. Before it even went out. You know, that's why, you know, people try to find. I have some music here and there that got ripped, you know, and put it. But again, they own everything, you know, because yep. they know I wanted the nice things. They know I wanted the Rolex, the diamonds, the chains, the clothes. You know, so instead of giving me the money I was owed, they gave me things for it. You know, the apartment and made me think that I had when I didn't, you know, all that stuff they were writing off. You know, yeah. I didn't I didn't know any of that. Again, it sounds silly, but that was I didn't know I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I'm still a kid. Um, but, yeah, I, I got dropped. And that's when I just spiraled. I was like, wow, I have nothing now. I have no education, no music. No one's going to want to mess with me. You know, they all know I'm a drug addict. You know, and they, they all, have all your music. They have. Exactly. They have all mm. my music. I don't own any of it. They have my videos. My Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. They have my music. They have everything like I'm nothing. You know, and it's like I. And that's I, all you ever had. That's all I ever had. Yeah. And that's what made me me. Um, so I was like, darn. And again, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't anxious. You know, I use drugs because I like drugs, but through me learning all this you know i think figuring out that i lost everything you know i let my addiction ruin my dream like i got depressed i got anxious you know and like i tried to tell myself that i didn't have those problems and then it just got really bad and then i I begged my parents i was like look like i need to go back to elevate i i cried begged and they weren't gonna do it you Mm -hmm. know they're like no we're gonna send you to kaiser and i was like well they're just gonna put me on suboxone you know they're gonna put me on maintenance meds it's not the same i was like please like I, i had nothing i was like i want help All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at 
Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.